Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Well, hello, friend. Welcome back to the conversation. Again, this is a page from the playbook of The Aligned Self, my signature coaching program just so happens to be the same name of the podcast. And while this episode is meant to be an addendum, a bonus, an expansion on the previous two episodes on mastering your emotions, it is deeply rooted in your self-concept, your self-identity. In the Aligned Self-Coaching Program, we consciously design who you want to be, your self-identity. Now, you need to understand that and I'm going to say this with the greatest amount of love and respect, that who you currently know yourself to be, your identity, your self-concept, wasn't consciously chosen. You adopted it along the way. You inherited it from the perceptions of other people. And as a consequence, it's more accurately described as a collection of knee-jerked, habitually learned responses that you've adopted along the way in order to survive childhood, to get out of childhood alive with a sense of self intact. And so from the context of the Aligned Self-Coaching Program, the question I want to throw out there is, who would you be if you didn't already know who you were? Is your self-concept in alignment with the vision that you have, the possible vision that you have for your life? So if you want to learn more about the Aligned Self-Coaching Program, Go to YesDaniel.com, click on the link, the Aligned Self Signature Coaching Program. So with that said, the focus of this episode is going to be on shadow beliefs. Now, these are the foundational self-concept or ideas that you have about yourself that influence your emotional responses. And if you listen to the previous two episodes on Mastering Your Emotions, These are those foundational beliefs that you have when you ask the question, what does this mean about me? And before I go too much further, I want to mention that I do have a worksheet. I have a guide that you can download if you haven't already done so at yesdaniel.com backslash 89. And it's Mastering Your Emotions. It walks it through step by step on how to question it, how to give you honor your emotions, honor your feelings. But at the end of the process is digging deeper, asking the question, if this were true, what does it mean about me? So let me give you a real life example, something from my past. Several years ago, I was dating a woman who made it known to me that she was going out with her friends, going out to the bar. And she also made it known to me that I was not invited. I was not expected to be there. Now, I don't know what triggered it in me exactly, but I got angry about that. I was irritated. One, I have to admit, I don't like being told what to do or what I can't do. But she immediately started to defend her position and something clicked in my head. While I was kind of listening, I asked myself, I went inside and wondered, what am I getting so angry about? I immediately said, well, she just told me I couldn't go. She doesn't want me there. That angered me. And then, you know, my higher intellect kicked in and I became self-reflective. I began going in even deeper in questioning. 
like she's right in front of me talking. I can see her lips moving, but I have this internal dialogue going on where I'm investigating what in the hell's going on with me. So knowing that anger is a symptom of fear, I asked the next question, what am I afraid of? Well, I was afraid she was going to meet somebody new at the bar. I I was getting the impression that she was pretending she was single, that she was unattached, which opened up possibilities for someone else. And then I asked the deeper question, well, if it's true, let's say she hooks up with somebody else, ends our relationship, what does that mean about me? Well, it means that I'm not lovable, that I'm disposable, that I don't matter. And then I got even more curious. Was this present in my last relationship? I thought about it and said, oh, yes, it was. And then I looked at the relationship before that and the relationship before that. And it was a theme that was a thread that ran through the tapestry of all my relationships. And I traced it back to a singular event that happened when I was eight years old. Now, if you've been a listener of the podcast for a while now, you've heard this story before. I told it in detail. So rather than go into it again here, I'll reference the episode in the show notes if you haven't listened to it. And at the moment, I can't remember exactly what I named that episode, but it will be in the show notes if you want to listen to that whole story. It will be another perspective on shadow beliefs, even though I didn't call it shadow beliefs then. So one of the number one limiting beliefs that human beings have in regarding their self-concept and self-identity is, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Some variation of, I'm not enough. And these shadow beliefs govern our emotional responses every day. It determines what we get angry at, what we get offended about, what we feel we need to defend. It also governs a whole host of other behaviors that are in place, some positive, some very positive, and then some not-so-elegant behaviors and characteristics. And as we get deeper into this episode, I'm going to talk more about some of the symptoms or some of the expressions of these limiting beliefs, these shadow beliefs, and how they might be occurring in your life, just to increase your conscious awareness. Now, most often these shadow beliefs are born in childhood, in childhood experiences. And you might be saying, well, I had a relatively good childhood, but I still have this limiting belief that I'm not enough. Well, even in the best of circumstances, you can adopt in one fashion or another to a matter of degree, this idea that I'm not enough. And I'll get into that in just a moment. Now, others of you could probably easily point to different circumstances, different parental influences that were less than stellar. Now, let me just say it. They were abusive. The commentary was derogatory and demeaning and specifically designed to put you down, to make you feel less than. Now, these shadow beliefs do have their origin in childhood. It may not always have been set specifically in that age seven, eight, nine, but you might have an idea. It might have been a suggestion that you were less than. It probably wasn't even set in stone until you were in your adolescence, either as a result from something that happened in school, what a teacher said, or some other authority figure, or as a result of your first love. 
especially if it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. Because typically, the only way you explain it is, oh my God, it's true. I'm not lovable. I'm not enough. Now, these shadow beliefs are installed in us in childhood by, in many cases, well-intentioned amateur programmers, your parents. They see your behavior, and they, they see the possibility, what you can do someday. And rather than say, you should be proud of yourself, they say, oh, that's pretty good, but you can do better. Or maybe they don't even say you should be proud of yourself. They just say, that's wrong. Do it this way. And in their mind, they're thinking they're correcting you. They're training you to be a good human. The way you perceive it at 7, 8, 9 is that I can't do anything right. I'm not good enough. Now, when I was a child, there were times when I wanted to do something with my dad. I wanted to go outside. I wanted to play catch. And my dad was too tired. He worked a tremendous amount of hours. And many times he wasn't even there when I was around, when I was available. And so I had this story that I don't matter. And because he wasn't around, because he was working, I made it mean that money to him was more important than spending time with me. Now, I've since remedied that. My dad was an amazing man. And I realized when I really dug deep in here that he was working so much because we did matter, myself and all my brothers and sisters. My dad wanted us to have a life better than he grew up with. And so by him working was him making up for his belief that he wasn't enough. But at the time, this perception that I didn't matter was formed at age seven. You know, hardly able to, you know, look at the consequences or he see my dad any more than being superhuman, you know, having all the answers. I didn't realize yet at this point that he was merely a man with his own history, his own lessons and learnings that he had to deal with in his life. So what's important about that disclosure is these assessments, these ideas that we form about ourselves, are done so at a very limited perspective. Our brains are barely even forming, and we make these wide-sweeping assessments of what it means about us in our relationship to reality and the world. And then we carry this belief forever, unless it's challenged. And that's what I want you to do in this podcast. I want you to begin challenging this idea that perhaps it's more than likely, in fact, it's just not true. You are more than enough you are imperfectly perfect. You are whole and complete. You're not broken, and you have an amazing mind and a heart so big, so capable of love that we need to unleash it. Now, I had this belief that I wasn't enough, and I have to admit, it fueled a lot of my learning all the way up into my 40s. It was, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was making up for this idea that I was not enough. Now, you might ask, what's wrong with that? Because I accomplished a lot, especially inside my career in Federal Express, and then again as a coach working with clients. So on the outside, it looked like I was very accomplished. But on the inside, I was questioning the validity of how well or how good I was. And so I, everything that I learned, every accomplishment that was there, there was always the undertone I'm not enough. So I got to make for, I got to keep working. I got to keep embellishing. I got to keep 
going. And of course, I had this belief on the inside. So I wasn't self-validating. I was validating through external feedback. And this is key. When you're seeking external feedback for, I guess, confirmation that you're enough, that you're capable enough, that you're lovable enough, on one hand, you'll never be convinced. And on the other hand, you'll be a slave for other people's opinions, a puppet in order to dance to their tune, in order to fit in, to be liked, to be accepted, to be loved. And so in the end, it's not the external expression of this belief that's damaging. It's how you feel about yourself on the inside. So what are some examples of having this belief, I'm not enough? Well, one I just told you, i constantly seeking to be better. Also to work long hours, almost to the point of being a workaholic. You want the admiration, you want the promotion, you want the achievement, you want the money because the money means that you're enough. That's not the truth. That's not what money means, but that's your perception of money. That's how money works for you. The more money you have in your pocket, the more valuable you feel. That was part of the story that my father took on. The more money he made, the more valuable he was as a parent. That was just his perception. And then again, another expression is through sexuality. You know, hypersexuality, really proving the point that you're a great lover or you're very attractive, constantly flirting, or using a lot of sexual innuendo in your conversation, all to prove a point that, hey, look at me, look how beautiful I am, look how desirable I am, buy the packaging, don't look too close because I'm not sure how valuable what inside really is. And it's important to point out that just because someone is attractive or displays the fact that they're attractive doesn't necessarily mean this is going on for them to that degree. But what is an indicator is how important is other people's acceptance of them, the feedback, the validation, the likes, the admiration. You see, whether it's sexuality or other behaviors, it's drawing attention to oneself. Kind of the daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy, look at me. It is the need and the craving of external feedback, outside validation about who we are and whether or not we're valuable enough. And if you haven't yet got the indicator is that we want to arrive at a point where we're self-validating, where you can look at yourself, make your own assessment of yourself and say, hey, I'm okay. Now, on one hand, it could be attracting attention. On the other hand, it could be pushing attention away, like not wanting to be center of attention, not wanting to be in the limelight, not wanting too much attention brought on me. Yet, there's this desire underneath to be noticed, to be wanted, but not necessarily be the focus of attention, but you want to be accepted. You want somebody else to say, you're pretty good or you're lovable, I like you. Another way this idea that I'm not good enough shows up is especially around education and training. It's the constantly seeking another certification, another level of education, another doctorate, all in the attempt to validate that you are good enough. Another arena I've seen this in is in my coaching of athletes. You know, going for the trophy, going for the gold, getting the brass ring, 
if I achieve a certain level of proficiency, a certain level of validation, then I know that I'll be good enough. And oftentimes they're doing something they really, really enjoy. They love it. But the underlying impetus, the the motivation behind it is to achieve something, to be recognized, to be noticed. And again, when I've talked about the four levels of events that you can control, the adoration, the acceptance of other people is one of those things that you cannot control, but you think you should. Now, there's other things that I could talk about, other displays, but you start to see what are people making up for? What are they really seeking? If they're seeking the validation, no matter what area of your life, that external validation, it's usually making up for or attempting to make up for the belief, the shadow belief, I'm not enough. Okay, so let's now look at I don't matter. What types of behavior might be there for someone that don't feel like they matter? Well, one, they like to draw attention to the fact that, hey, look at me. Again, that mommy, daddy, look at me, get the attention. The more attention they get, the more they feel like they matter. How this might show up in a, in a relationship is that the person that doesn't feel like they matter wants to be made a priority. And for goodness sakes, do not forget their birthday or an anniversary or other some other important event about their life, some aspect about their life. Nothing will say you don't care any faster than that. Now, I think it's important for me to point out that if you have a partner that has that need, has has that desire to be acknowledged, to have your attention, don't point to them and say, you have this belief that you don't matter. And that's what all this is making up for. Don't do that. No one likes to have their unconscious processes pointed out to them. They will immediately get defensive. Remember, I said that all these behaviors, all these, these characteristics Try and cover up the fact that you believe that you don't matter, but you're trying to compensate for it. And nothing can be more damaging to point out to somebody what's going on at the other than conscious level when they're attempting to cover it up. Don't be the person that points it out to them. Don't be the one, let me educate you. Let me shine a light on this for you. I'm doing it for you. No, each person is on the cutting edge of their own discoveries. Every person has to make their own shifts, their own discoveries for themselves. And in their time, not yours. And I also need to say that if you notice it in them and you haven't addressed it in you, you're the one that needs to do the work. It's always easier to see it for somebody else. You see, our partners are mirrors for us. We're going to see it first in them before we see it in ourselves. And what's interesting is that you cannot see it in another as a fault, as something to fix, unless it's unfixed in you. What I've found over the years, when I actually get to a point where I deal with something and it's done, it's not a factor. It doesn't irritate me. It doesn't bother me anymore. It's a non-factor. I can look at it. I can recognize it in another, but there is no need in me to fix it. Early on in my career, I wanted to fix everybody. And frankly, I don't have the time or patience to do that anymore to fix somebody that doesn't want to be fixed. I'd rather you recognize something in yourself. You come to me as a coach and say, hey, I have a blind spot here. I have this problem and I need some assistance in figuring it out. Those are the ideal clients. 
So let's get back to I don't matter. What are some other examples? Well, in relationship, you may find that they are more the jealous type. And this comes from a scarcity mindset. I'm not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough love to go around. Because their experience was, or your experience is, has been, that love is conditional. And this may go back hand in hand with, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. See, there are all kind of variations on a theme. Somebody else in a relationship that feels like they don't matter, they may be over-controlling and may consistently talk over other people in order to make their point. Talk louder, more directly, use more words, and discount other people's opinions as not being relevant. They have a compulsion to be right, that they're right, and to prove that they're right and you're wrong. Now, I'm saying this as if it's somebody else, somebody else you're witnessing, but I am talking to you. Do you have to be right? Do you get in arguments having to prove that you're right, proving the other person wrong? Now, what's interesting is that sometimes you don't typically confront authority or experts. You tend to take their word for it because, hey, you don't matter. Again, that's just a perception. You don't necessarily value your opinion because you don't matter. Now, if you bore the brunt of an abusive relationship growing up or at some point in your life, you also have this belief inside you that you don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. Your well-being doesn't matter. And so there's a tendency as an adult to tolerate abusive behavior or play the martyr and say, my needs and wants don't matter. I'm giving myself for the family. And you may make it well known that you're giving up your life for others. I'm doing this for you. I'm going out of my way for you. Look at me. And again, it is all making up for this belief, this perception that you don't matter. Now, this is a gate that swings both ways. It's like a swing set. On one side is one set of behaviors. On the other side, it's a different set of behaviors, all sourced from the same shadow belief. So on one side, I don't matter, so my feelings don't matter. On the flip side of it is that you better honor my feelings. My, import, my feelings are important. You need to make me feel good. There's also the idea that you can hurt me with words or your point of view because my self-esteem is fragile. And if you say something derogatory to me and hurt my feelings, then you prove to me I don't matter. My feelings don't matter to you. And one way of gaining control over the situation, either you or someone else, is to play the shame and blame game. It's your fault. You should know better. Don't you love me? Because there's this feeling that if I can position myself as better than you, more important than you, smarter than you, then that, that feeds my self-esteem, my sense of identity. Now, if you've had experience with a narcissist, you'll recognize some of these behaviors as being sourced from a belief, a shadow belief, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, and I'm not deservable. But as a consequence, the narcissist has developed a series of behaviors and manipulative uh, tactics in order to position themselves as better than, and frankly, 
their self-esteem is so damaged that it's painful for them to look at themselves. So the moment the light is shined on any failing that they have, they will go to any lengths to make you feel less than. And while the term narcissist is a noun, it's actually a, a collection of narcissistic patterns designed to protect the self-esteem. In another episode, I'll go in more depth about narcissistic patterns and how they show up and what you should and could do in response to them and how to identify whether or not you're a narcissist or display narcissistic patterns. But one key factor on whether or not you're displaying a narcissistic pattern or a pattern to make up for these shadow beliefs and a true narcissist is the fact that you're willing to be healed. You're willing to do the work to heal yourself. A true narcissist does not have the ability to look at themselves honestly, to actually own up to their behavior, own up to their failings. And in many cases, a narcissist will never, ever heal. So with that said, we'll, we'll tackle the narcissistic syndrome another uh, podcast episode. So I want to touch upon money how you handle money when you feel as if you don't matter. Many times, money is an indicator of how valuable you are. It's a direct reflection of your self-esteem. Like I said earlier, the more money you have in your pocket, the more important you are, the better person you are. Because in our society, when you have money to spend, you're somebody. You can actually buy experiences. The whole dynamic of a sugar daddy or a sugar baby where you're taken care of or you're the one taking care of, that is all grounded in I don't matter. So the money I have dictates on how desirable I am. And as a consequence, as a sugar baby, the more desirable I am, the more money I can attract. Another monetary display of this belief that I don't matter is a focus on brand names, having the right car, living at the right address, how you spend money, how you're perceived makes a difference. So there's a tendency to overspend or overflaunt the amount of wealth or the amount of money that you have because it's equated directly to your self-esteem or how valuable you are in the world, how valuable you are to others. And there may be the practice of looking down on people that have less money as if they're less than desirable, less than a human being, not as valuable as a person. Because, hey, look at their bank account. As a kid, I just thought of these people as being stuck up, hoity-toity, you know, pious. But what I've learned, it's a fractured self-identity that lies underneath it. This idea that I'm not enough. So they go out of their way to prove, hey, I am enough. Okay, there's one more shadow belief that I want to focus on to draw attention to because a lot of people experience it, especially around money and love. And that is, I don't deserve it, or I'm not deserving. Those people that have, I don't deserve it, they may be happy with the worst seats in the house. I may not deserve the attention or the accolades. The idea, if I want it, chances are I can't have it. If they get money, if money comes in their hands, chances are they'll spend it or they'll find ways to lose it because I don't deserve this money. I don't have, I don't deserve the riches. 
They also have trouble asking for help or not getting paid for what they're worth, the full value of their services or their products. These are the people that tend to discount a lot. And again, like the I don't matter, they typically don't confront authority. They seem to be very aware of class hierarchy. You know, there's more someone more important than me. You know, I can take the side door. They tend to acquiesce, position in line, and stuff like that. They can also be very envious and jealous of others. The scarcity mindset lives in this shadow belief. Now, like I said, the gate swings both ways. The swing swings both ways. On one side, it's one way. On the other side, so the ego, the shadow aspect of the ego compensates for I don't deserve it by actually demanding that people serve them. They get offended at poor service, and they will not tolerate less than first class or the best seats in the house. And they'll say, I deserve it. And again, don't forget their birthday or any other celebration. In the realm of money, it may show up as greed, accumulation, you know, being tight-fisted with their money, not sharing. Because it's in the scarcity mindset. There may not be enough to go around, and so... I need to get mine while I can get it. They may also cheat, not wanting to lose out. And that's also true of I'm not good enough or I don't matter. Cheating is okay because I may not get this on my own merit. So I need to get it any way that I can. Now, I just remembered something about relationships that I needed to add. In the shadow belief, I don't deserve it. You may not seek happiness. You may be tolerant of a less than amazing relationship because you don't necessarily deserve to be happy. And they may say things like, I don't deserve you, or you're too good for me. And while that may sound nice on the surface, they really believe it. Underneath, they will do something to sabotage the relationship, because frankly, I don't deserve to be this happy. When I mentioned cheating, it reminded me that the shadow beliefs, I don't matter and I'm not good enough, are more apt to cheat or look outside the relationship for validation, especially when attention, words of praise, and time, time spent, are taken away or reduced. They will seek that validation outside. So in that regard, when someone cheats, it's usually to make up for some insecurity that they have, to feed some need, some want that they're not receiving in their current situation. It's usually not the other person's fault. Because again, at the beginning of this, I said that all people are required, in the end, to be self-soothing, to be self-validating. You are responsible for your feelings, you and you alone. In the context of you create your reality, same thing. I want to point out and reiterate that these shadow beliefs give rise to compensatory behaviors and ideas. In fact, they color every aspect of communication. So when you get angry or get offended or defensive, understand and realize it's not true. It's merely a perception that is colored by this shadow aspect of your being. And if it were not influenced by this shadow belief, you could just take the communication as it is and it would have no intrinsic meaning. You could even ask a question, what do you mean by that? But when we have that knee-jerk response, that triggered response, We're not responding to the actual dynamic in the moment. We're responding from our past. So as I bring this episode to a close, 
This episode was meant to increase your conscious awareness of this other than conscious or subconscious aspect of your behavior or other people's behavior and to give you a perspective on the number of different ways these shadow beliefs show up in your life and the lives of those around you. Also, in the context of mastering your emotions, I think it's important to understand where this anger, disappointment, this need to justify and defend, where it actually comes from. When you can source it down to a shadow belief, you can begin to make some significant changes in your life. In the next weekday episode, I'm going to go into some different processes, different ideas that you can use to unravel these shadow beliefs, to weaken them, to dismantle them, and start installing a more empowering idea, a more empowering belief about yourself. The very next episode is the 5-Minute Friday, and I have a special case study on manifesting, being open to receiving, that I wanted to share with you. The number of that will be 113. The next weekday episode will be episode 114, and that's where I'll go into the different processes and different ways to unravel these shadow beliefs. So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Dano V, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner directed as you live the epic adventure. <laughs> <laughs>